0: The Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 107 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365 Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes365. And you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. You can join our Facebook group, Baseball365, where we have over 2,300 members talking about baseball every day of the year. And the best way you could support the show is by going to iTunes. If you were to go there and take a few moments, leave us a five-star rating, write a nice review for us. It's a good way to help us get our name out there. We would be very appreciative. And as always, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. On today's episode, Andrew and I are getting started on the starting pitcher breakdown. With this being part one of the series, Andrew and I are going to cover starting pitchers for, I don't know, an hour or so tonight, and then we'll cut it off and move on to part two, which will be out, I think, on Tuesday. Let's get Andrew on, and I have what I think is a fun question of the day today. I put this on Twitter a couple days ago. My question, Andrew, what happens first? The Dodgers fail to make the playoffs or all of the other 29 major league clubs make the playoffs.
1: I'm going to say the Dodgers fail to make the playoffs
0: first. 80% of Twitter voting agreed with you on that and said yes. And I get it. It's, it's hard for, like, there's like the Blue Jays just made the playoffs for the first time in what, like 28 years, 27 years this last year? The Pirates
1: made uh, a long stretch? Not sure. I know that the longest drought right now is the Mariners, and it's 19. Yeah. Or yeah, 18 or 19. Yeah. So, I mean, just going off that, that's kind of my reasoning.
0: You know, the reason I think that there's a better chance now of this happening is that. It just seems like they're expanding the playoffs more and more, and it wouldn't surprise me if they continue doing so with this new labor agreement. And the Dodgers, it just runs so well. I, th- I would agree if, if if you made me take one, I would take the Dodgers missing the playoffs, but I think it's going to be a while, and I th- think it's a pretty good number that are going to make it before they end up not making it.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: All right. Well, Andrew, we're talking starting pitchers, and I have last year's top 15 since we talk about aces and, you know, 15 for 15 pitchers on a 15-team league. I just went on and put 15 because there's so many arms. Uh, Last year, the top 10, start with that, is Garrett Cole, who was going five overall. Second pitcher was Jacob DeGrom. Third was Justin Verlander. Fourth was Max Scherzer. Fifth was Walker Buehler. This is right there at the 1-2 wheel, those five pitchers. Then we got Jack Flaherty going sixth at 23. Mike Clevenger at 27 at number seven. Shane Bieber, uh, Steven Strasburg, and Blake Snell was the 10th pitcher off the board. And then just quickly throwing them out there, 11 through 15 was Sale, Luis Castillo, Patrick Corbin, Lucas Giolito, and Aaron Nola. So... Hearing that, what's your reaction to that list?
1: Mostly good. I mean, um, most of these guys are still up there, obviously, besides Verlander, Clevenger. I mean, big injuries. Sale, obviously, too. Um, but, yeah, other than that, it's pretty much the cream of the crop.
0: Yeah. You know, injury is the thing, you know, that I, that stuck out to me in terms of with these top 15 Really, the only one that really dropped due to performance was Patrick Corbin, and everybody else either stayed the same or got hurt and fell down. So yeah, they, you know, I think that talks about why these aces are so valuable. Is they they hold they are holding value year after year as long as they're staying healthy. Um, Andrew, we have discussed this a lot this off season, but not everybody has been here listening. For some of the newer listeners, what are your thoughts on the pitcher position as a whole, and how do you plan on attacking pitchers this year?
1: Well, pretty much, uh, pretty much for me, it's I always want a pitcher in the first two rounds. I mean, I like getting one of the top guys. Um, I'm basically never going hitter hitter, so. There and then, you know, I'm not opposed to even taking pitchers with my first two picks, but um, I think I've I maybe have done that once if, if even at all. But more likely to go pitcher pitcher, I think, than hitter hitter in the first two. Um, and if not, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the first two rounds, but I like getting a couple pitchers in like by like round four, round five. Um, and depending on how I feel about my SP2 is kind of when I attack my SP three, you know, if I feel great about my top two, I may wait a while. If I sketchy about my second and maybe a little more likely to go in quicker on the third, but um, yeah, I just think that there's kind of a dead zone when you get to uh, like, when you go through starting pitching and it's quicker than it's quicker than normal. Kind of what I mean by that is just, I would say after about, 25 or so starters I feel like it drops off pretty drastically and uh, there's a lot more volatility and you just don't know what you're getting and uh, I don't feel like you can wait on pitching like you used to it always used to just be oh yeah I can just sit back draft hitters and then I'll just have a bunch of pitchers and yeah I'll have a good pitching staff and I just don't really feel like you could do that now I, I feel like the there is just way too much of an edge to be had for having the top pitchers. That said, I think everybody knows that and they're going higher and higher and higher, even in drafts over the course of this offseason. I feel like I want pitchers high and they're still hard to get because <laughs> yeah. that's how aggressive people are drafting them. So I'm okay with, like I said, not getting two in the first two rounds or two in the first three rounds, but, um, I'm kind of always aware of that. Once it gets to that spot where I feel like it drops off, drops off, I'm just kind of banging out hitters at that point.
0: You know, you just said top 25, so I went and looked past 25 and something I hadn't really done yet. And the thing that sticks out to me when you get outside of the top 25 is, well, let me go inside first and just explain it this way. Inside the top 25, you have a lot of pitchers that you can – if they stay healthy, you can feel pretty good are going to throw 180 to 200 innings and have 180 to 200 strikeouts plus. And once you get outside the top 25, you might be able to get one of those two, but it's really hard to find both. Yeah. That makes sense?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it, and there's going to be guys that hit. I mean, yes. you know, there's... I mean, you can always – if you hit the jackpot on a pitcher later on or, you know, this year's – I don't know who's a good example of a guy that just – Zach Gallen or something like that or that just shot way up, Corbin Burns, guys like that. Um, if you hit on that guy, then obviously you're going to be fine, but everybody has an equal opportunity to hit on that guy, you know. So you can't really count on that, I don't believe so. Um, attacking it early I just I feel a lot more comfortable
0: yeah even as you look at the top tif- 15 this year most of those guys were going pretty early last year it's real hard to hit on yeah. a guy and they become the stud and and move up into like being a top 10 type pitcher It's just hard to find that you might yeah. you might be lucky but <laughs> good luck
1: and they are I mean and they are risky you know that's the thing it's like people will say oh it's injury risk and stuff like that and I I think of more more of that in like a long-term sense like dynasty Mm -hmm. or something like that but in a one-year sprint in a redraft league you've got to have the pitching and I just feel like the risk that's associated with those pitchers is worth taking for the payoff because you can't really replicate aces you know they're just there's only so many of them.
0: It's so true I've done this the last two years in a row I've gone two pitchers in the first three rounds and a lot of my draft and holds and it's never worked for me yet I've been burned every time by an injury something going wrong so far and yet and I thought I'd go going into this offseason I was going to be different with this but here we are in February and as I look at the draft and I look at if I wait on pitching what it looks like or wait on hitting, I feel a lot more comfortable waiting on the hitters because there are more hitters back there that I feel like have a, have a chance to pop up than I do pitchers.
1: Yep. Yeah, I'm with you.
0: All right. Well, let's get into this and the big 3 this off-season are Garrett Cole, Jacob DeGrom and Shane Bieber. One, th- 1 through 3 there. Uh Cole at 6.5, DeGrom at 6.69 and Bieber at 9.25. We've talked about these guys a lot. Are they ranked for you like they are here?
1: Cole, DeGrom, Bieber in yes. that order? Yep. Um I think so. I it's splitting hairs. I mean, it's, I I think, I think that would be my order. Yeah. And it's mostly the offense behind Garrett Cole. But if I see DeGrom go ahead of Garrett Cole, it's not like I'm even thinking twice about it. You know, it's just tomato, tomato. They're all three. Awesome. I, I think Bieber's third, but, um, I don't know. I think I have a I have a little bit more uh injury concern with DeGrom than I do with Cole. I think that's what it is for me. I I do think DeGrom's arguably even the better pitcher, but um yeah, I think just slightly more in, injury concern is and the offense is uh gives it to Cole for me. But they're all close. I mean, it like I said before, it's more I think a decision of do I want to take a pitcher in the middle of the first round? And if you do, I think any of the three are fine to take. If you don't, then you just don't take any of them and you take a bat. So it's fine either way. But yeah, I think that order is probably my order though. I wouldn't have any issue with them being in any order to be honest.
0: Yeah. If you're an Indians fan and you want to take Bieber first, if you pick fifth, go for it. If you're a Mets fan, same thing. No, it really doesn't matter. You're splitting hairs with these three. Um, are they back to back to back for you and your overall ranks then saying you're splitting hairs?
1: I don't know. It's tough because like the, when you get to a point in the first round, um, it's kind of like if, if I, you know, if it was cold to Grom and then there was like a tantalizing bat there or something. And I felt like I could get a pitcher on the way back um, I would potentially pass on Bieber, but I've gotten Bieber, I think in three spots at like picks nine, 10, yep. 11. So maybe not quite back to back to back, but close. Yeah. They're, they're right there.
0: Yeah. I think for me, they are, but, uh, because you're splitting hairs with them all, but I, yeah. Um, I didn't put this in the notes, but due to Bieber being significantly younger than the other two, I think by brought what, five, six, seven years, is Bieber the number one pitcher for you in Dynasty?
1: Oh, man, that's a good question.
0: Yeah, I wish I had put that in the notes to give you a little time um, to prepare. I just thought of it. DeGrom,
1: DeGrom would definitely be behind the other two mm-hmm. because it's close enough in redrafting. The age difference. Um, yeah, probably. I, Cole and Bieber are close, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I would go Bieber first, but on the same note, Cole feels like a guy that's going to have this Vorlander type career and just go into his mid to late 30s still throwing gas. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, it just feels like he's going to be that kind of arm.
1: Yeah, you don't want to overrate the... Age, mm-hmm. especially with pitching, because it just changes so quickly. But at the same time, if you're splitting hairs anyways, which we basically are, then why not take the younger guy? Yep. You know, in a in a dynasty. So yeah, it's close.
0: All right, let's move on to the next four that I have grouped together, four through seven, and that would be Trevor Bauer at fifteen overall. You Darvish at 17. Lucas Giolito at 18 and Walker Buehler at 19. Let's start with Bauer. We haven't discussed him since he signed with the Dodgers. I think him signing there throws out any chance of him pitching every fourth day of the season, like he was talking about wanting to do as he was going into the offseason. But he's on a powerhouse team, actually, the powerhouse team in baseball. So two questions concerning Bauer. First, is he at the top of this tier for you? And second, does he belong with this tier behind him? Or with the signing, does he belong with the tier tier above with Cole
1: DeGrom Bieber? No, uh, I would take Giolito as my fourth pitcher off the board. Okay. All
0: right. So why Giolito over Bauer then?
1: Um, I just think that Giolito has a little bit better stuff. Um, Second lowest in zone contact rate in 2020 behind DeGrom and lowest since the start of 2019. Second highest swinging strike rate last year behind DeGrom. Um, You know, if he has any, if Giolito has any flaws, it's, it's basically his control a little bit, you know, it can get wonky Mm -hmm. sometimes, but. Um, I just think he's a horse. He's on a great team. It's not something that's been unexpected. Um, even though he had a rough start to his career, obviously, but yeah, I just have a I have a really hard time poking holes in Giolito and Bow. I mean, Bauer's swinging strike rate wasn't even close to Giolito's end zone contact rate not even close either, you know, 82.9 to 74.6 for Giolito. So um, yeah, I just think, I mean, Bauer's really good. I do like him on the Dodgers. I think he's going to rack up a ton of innings and you know, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't completely surprise me if he led the league in innings pitched, but he did have a 90% strand rate last year. Um, There's just a few little things that um, I wouldn't have him quite this high, but he's not far off. I mean, he's really good.
0: You know, he's been up and down the last three or four years. I keep saying he's a yo-yo. But one thing that as I've listened to podcasts and I've read a little more into him this off-season, he was one of those guys a few years ago that was questioning what the Astros pitchers were doing to get all that spin. And he, I think the quote I heard was – He said something like, if you ever see my spin rates start shooting up, you'll know why. That's why. Basically, he found whatever it was that the Astros were using or something for him to use to pitch at a higher level, get a little more spin. And I don't don't have the numbers. I know his spin rate did significantly improve this last year. And if he's going to continue using that stuff, I am buying into him still pitching at a high level. And... I get anybody wanting to take him forth, but also nothing. That's not, I Nope. That's
1: that's, the other thing though, is I, I don't know. Is he going to continue to use it?
0: Why would he stop? That would be my question. I
1: mean, I don't know, but I I guess if I had confirmation of that, I don't think anybody knows that for sure. Oh
0: no, there's no way he can even talk about it. Whatever it is he's using. I think he's going to still be doing it. I mean, baseball could always crack down, but I don't think baseball its one of those things, unless you're Michael Pineda out there putting a big old glob of something on your neck. <laughs> <laughs> they don't really seem to care because pitchers or batters don't want, they want you to have a good grip on a ball. So I don't know. that I totally get anybody being skeptical of Bauer because he's been up and down, but I'd still take him fourth.
1: Um, yeah, I've I've just heard I've just heard talk about, you know, the uncertainty of whether or not he's gonna use it and mm-hmm. I mean it's just we don't know. Kind of a little bit of a guessing game, so
0: let's talk about the other two, Bueller and Darvish. Do you have a preference between those two?
1: Uh Darvish for me.
0: Okay. Is it mostly for safety of throwing or more likely to throw two hundred innings?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um really like bueller too i mean these guys are obviously all 80s um i think bueller's the least likely of this group to pile on in innings but a lot of that's just because he's probably not going to need to um if he does he can be right there with anybody even with the top group so but yeah i would take uh i would take darvish ahead of bueller
0: yeah bueller i think is the last of this tier and he's but i'd still take him ahead of everybody from the next tier And moving into that tier, we got uh, six more pitchers here going between picks 23 and 34. So a lot of these guys are going second half of the second round, beginning of the third round. Uh, Aaron Nola at 28, or 23 overall. Luis Castillo at 28. Max Scherzer at 29. Jack Flaherty at 30. And then at 34, Clayton Kershaw and Brandon Woodruff with a basically identical ADP. Who's your favorite of this group?
1: Uh, Luis Castillo would be mine. I think I would take him definitely at the top of this group. Um, Possibly ahead of Bueller too. I think Castillo is just... uh, electric obviously he's going to get you the innings strikeouts i don't i don't really see too many flaws um i've got him on a few teams scott he's so fun to watch change up is just sick yeah it's like my favorite one of my favorite pitches to watch in baseball um so yeah he would be my guy but these guys are all good i mean Nola's a horse, he's really safe. I don't think he has quite the ceiling Castillo does obviously he has a higher a d p so um I'm probably on the uh in the minority with that but i would uh I would take Castillo over Nola, but I get it you know like Nola's really safe he's not gonna hurt you he's always good so um I don't know about uh Max. How do you feel about Max?
0: It's like you're playing a game of chicken with him. When does yeah. it When does it fall apart? Because he's getting up there. I mean, what is he? Thirty six, thirty will trying to pull that yeah, up right now. I, I th- want.
1: I thirty seven.
0: Thirty seven years old. That's a lot of miles on that arm, too. I mean, he has a total of two twenty three hundred innings
1: on him. I'm sorry. He's he's thirty six. He'll be thirty seven this year.
0: Yeah, thirty seven. This year, and he's got 2,300 um, innings on him in his career. But I I did take him in one draft. Actually, Castillo, I think, was still there, and I took him just to take someone different because I've taken a lot of Garrett Cole shares in redraft leagues this offseason, and I ended up, and Castillo, like, that's my favorite pairing. To get Garrett Cole and Castillo in the first two rounds is like the perfect 1-2 combo for me. But, um,
1: yeah, see, there's no draft I've been in where those two have been like where you could, you have to take Cole and kit. Like he just doesn't make it.
0: Yeah. I've, I
1: it just doesn't.
0: Yeah. And any, it, it might be hard in a draft in a re- regular redraft, you might be able to pull it off. And Andrew does a lot of draft and holds and we do talk, we do lean a lot towards that whenever we're talking about these drafts, but yeah, Um, Let me ask you about Kershaw and Woodruff. Actually, I'll move on to them. Who would you project for more innings in 2021? We got Woodruff, whose career high is 121 innings, but Steamer's projecting 175. And meanwhile, Kershaw's on the deepest team in baseball, keeps dealing with back injuries, but is also projected for 175 innings. I I actually came up with this question before I realized that their projections were the same. But anyways, who would you take for more innings? Project
1: anyways. It's a good question. I think I would take Woodruff. Hmm. So, And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel strongly about it, but I just – I think I would.
0: I will say this. I don't think Woodruff gets to 175 innings after a career-high 121. Now, it's hard for me to take Kershaw How did
1: he throw – where – 121 when when did he th- what do you mean 121 uh
0: two years ago he threw 121 innings and that was his career high
1: oh okay i thought you meant in 2020 i was like, <laughs> no i didn't know when you meant.
0: now he threw 113 innings in 2018 and 121 in 2019 so okay. he, he just hasn't built up a lot of s- stamina actually as i say that looking back through now that you're now that you asked and I'm looking back, in 2016, he actually threw 157. That's interesting. And he hasn't thrown over 120 since. Hmm. That's uh, really interesting to see. Maybe if...
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I they're going to give him the ball every fifth day. I mean, I'm, I'm not really too concerned about his innings, but... Yeah, and... It, Kershaw, I just feel like... Getting a little bit older, they can they they're just so deep. I mean, they can just take it easy on him, and yes, they will at any chance that they get. You know, I feel like so. That's just a hunch. I mean, can go either way.
0: It'd be really hard for me to take a Kershaw bet on anybody with Kershaw saying he's going to get more innings. I might make that bet with Denelson Lamette, but that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to him in a little while. All right, we'll move into the next tier where we have five more pitchers. we got Zach Gallen with an ADP of 40. We have Blake Snell at 47. Kenton Maeda at 48. Tyler Glass now at 51. And Lance Lynn at 54. Andrew, I know you like Lynn. Let's start with him. Why are you such a fan of him?
1: I just like him because he's different. I mean, he's just the type of guy that's going to go out there and pitch every fifth day, tons of innings. Um, he stays in the game long enough to give himself a better shot at a win. Obviously now he's on a better team. Um, yeah, I just, I just like him. I mean, I, I, I don't feel like there's many guys like him anymore. I think that's kind of part of it, but, um, yeah, just good pitcher. Obviously, like I said, good team. And he's going to have a lot of opportunities for wins. I uh, I always heard – or I heard a thing a while back sometime last year. It was like they were just saying how, you know, Lance Lynn, whatever you think he's going to get to, you know, like when you're watching the game and um, whatever you think his pitch count – you're watching his pitch count 80, 90 – And it's like, oh, he's going to be out by the sixth. Well, just whatever it is that you think, just tack on an inning. That's typically what he does. I mean, he just goes and goes. I want to say it's around like 38 consecutive starts with 100 pitches or something like that. So, yeah, I just like him. I think he's really durable. And um, I feel comfortable with that, even though I'll admit his stuff isn't quite Something like, you know, a Tyler Glass now or a Blake Snell. But I just have a lot more innings questions with them is all.
0: Yeah, really between these five here, him and Gallon are the only two that I would project
1: for over 180 innings. And
0: Lynn, especially, I mean, I, I would feel pretty good that he's around 200 at the end of the year. He's got a rubber oh, yeah. arm. Um, You know, you said something about him getting wins and it brought back a memory, me being a Cardinal fan of him when being in St. Louis back during those really good run for the Cardinals in the at the beginning of this past decade 2011 to 2015 and there was a lot of talk about him getting all-star making all-star appearances. I think he did at one one of those years at least, but the Cardinals announcers would always talk about how he's a winner. And that's one of those eye-rolling comments for a lot of fans. But you did bring up a point. It, him going deep into games there helps improve his chances of getting wins so maybe there's a little of that maybe there's a little something to that maybe not you know the winner line you know felix hernandez was the best pitcher in baseball a decade ago one year and he only had 13 wins one a cy young he was a winner (laughs) that wasn't his fault that his team was terrible but maybe there's something to that with lynn for going deeper in the games and that will translate to more victories
1: oh yeah i mean it definitely does and like, I mean I know obviously wins is a fluky stat, but when you're able to go deeper into the game and you're on a better team, obviously it just increases your chances of getting them. So Yep. I um, will just things I think about.
0: I'll put money up with anybody that he'll have more wins than Blake Snell, even though Blake Snell's on the on the Padres. Um what about the rest of these guys? Is there anyone here you like enough to take at or near their ADP?
1: You know, I think I would draft um, – I'm okay with Gallon's price. It's fine. I haven't gotten him, but um, there was there was at least one draft where I was considering it and then he went like right before I was going to pick or something. So I'm fine with his price. I think he's like a low-end ace or, you know, basically right, right here. Um, and – I'm okay with glass now too, because I think that the ceiling on glass now is ridiculous. You just wonder how many innings he's going to get, but like, he's one of those guys that if he was the best pitcher in baseball for one random season, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't feel like that's something that's out of the question. So I'm fine with him too. Um, if you take him, I, I feel like you would just have to back him up maybe with some Guys, you're more confident in their innings, but his stuff is just off the charts. So, Snell and Maeda um probably not touching here.
0: Yeah, we've talked about Snell a little this off-season. And in terms of I think we're going on 2 years straight of him not having a quality start. Isn't that isn't that the 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 something stat? like that?
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: He might have a more better opportunity going at getting out of Tampa and that, them pulling him with a what one-hitter or something like that in the sixth inning of an ALC or World Series game. Uh, elimination game at that. Yeah, The Padres probably won't be to that extreme. They, but, uh, yeah, I just he's not efficient. That's the word I use with him. And actually, I think Glasnow's got the same problem right now. I feel Glasnow has a better chance of improving that, and I would not be surprised at all if two or three years from now he was the best pitcher fantasy top fantasy pitcher in baseball if he just gets a little more efficient he's got the stuff to get there um yeah
1: i feel like i've seen multiple outings with glass now the last couple of years where it's like four and a third with 10 k's yep and, you know it just doesn't go <laughs> uh, quite deep enough in the game you feel like but i feel like he can get there with snell i it's really to me it's not only um how long or, you know, how deep in the game he goes, but I just feel like his performance has been kind of all over the place a little bit. And um, I don't know. There's just like health questions for me, performance questions. I I mean, I like San Diego better than Tampa Bay in terms of just the, the atmosphere, you know, like being able to go deeper into the game and all that they'll probably do that. And I won't be that surprised if he's a fine pick here. You know, it's just one of those things that you're investing a third, fourth round pick. You got to be sure of it. And I'm just not. So I just tend to pass over him. But um, I mean, he, he, you know, peak Blake Snell season is it's really good. I just, just not for me in this spot.
0: I'd by, by the way, I, I didn't say anything about Gallen. I'm with you on if I go pitcher-hitter in the first two rounds, I would love to get Gallen in the third round. I'd be very happy to get him. And also, I want to touch on Maeda here. I mean, the guy threw basically 2017 to 2019. He threw somewhere between 125 and 153 innings. Never thrown over 175 innings. Did that in his first season comes out and shoves for the Twins last year in his first year in 66 innings. Um, incredible stats across the board, but he's going to have to go a full season here to be a high-end pitcher. Steamer projects 172 innings. How confident are you in him holding up?
1: Yeah, that's the biggest thing with me, with him, I think, is um, I think is a really good pitcher, and I think a lot of what he did was – pretty legit nothing sticks out too much of you know negatively I mean low walk rate really good control strikeouts are there swinging strike rates there Um, there's a lot of good things and I've always felt like he's a good pitcher but his dominant stretch was in the ultimate small sample and I just wonder if over 162 game season if he will be able to kind of maintain that all the way through, I mean, it's possible he's good enough, but he's never cracked, you know, 175 innings his rookie year. That's his career high. And it's been lower than that since the last four seasons, well, three and then the shortened season. So it's hard to know what to expect innings wise. And if he's, um, you know, the durability and all that, I just kind of question that a little bit, but Um, while he's out there, I expect him to be good.
0: Yeah. I think he's got a shot. I mean, he might get to 170 innings, but if he does, I just think the stats will come down. I just don't think it's hard for me to imagine him pitching at a high end elite level like he did last year over a course of a full season
1: personally. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's, it's, it's an expensive price. I mean, I I think he'll be, I think he'll be good, but 16th pitcher off the board. It's just not cheap.
0: And I've always liked him when he was with the Dodgers. I thought he was a good pick. You, it, you knew that you weren't going to get the full season of innings, but I've always felt like he's a good pitcher, just like you just said. He's good on a per inning basis.
1: The difference was is before you weren't paying this price. No, you know, exactly. no, we've never, we've never paid this price for Kent to Maeda. So it's a little weird. You know, my first time I saw it pop up in like November, I was like, oh my god. But <laughs> I get it. I mean. He's a Cy Young finalist and had a great year and it, he's always been a good pitcher, so.
0: I wanted to lump these next three together. They're the three breakouts. Uh we got Corbin Burns, uh Zach Pleszak, and Max Freed going between pick sixty and sixty six here. Which breakout are you buying into the most?
1: Uh, Burns would be my guy out of this out of these three. Yeah, I really like Burns.
0: I've been big on him for a couple years. It blew up in my face. I think actually now that I remember, 2 years ago on this podcast, on our bold prediction podcast, I said he would be a top 25 pitcher in 2019. That didn't happen. He was a uh, he was batting practice that whole season, that well, while he was in the big leagues until he ended up back in the minors. But he he did it last year. He was awesome. And I think it's the introduction of a cutter i want to say that's what it was that he that was the big change for last year and that pitch was unhittable for but uh, for hitters and he was awesome it's just about getting more innings and getting his arm built up to throw enough innings with that yeah
1: i would yeah that's the that's the big thing i i think his um he i think the difference with me like between the three of these guys i just his strikeout upside is just so high. I mean, I, I questioned the innings a little bit, but, um, you know, he's the type of guy that I think steamers got him for, and I don't, I don't put too much into the steamer projections for pitching just because I feel like they're kind of slow to catch up with changes guys make and stuff like that. But, um, I think it's 139 innings and like 166 strikeouts. And that's like, Whatever, wherever his innings land, I I think that the um the crazy K numbers like per inning are going to be there. So you're not going to probably get as many innings as you will with a lot of these guys. And the people who are fading burns, that's what they're going to tell you. You know, he's just not going to get the innings. But per inning, I mean, my God, he's he's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Do you think in a couple years, do, like if he starts building up and throwing more innings, do you think this guy could be a first round pick? in a few years?
1: I wouldn't expect it, but never say never. I mean, we'll see once he starts building it up, you know, it's just sometimes that doesn't go as smoothly as you would hope. Yeah. And obviously
0: that there's no lock that he gets there, but I think there's a, I think he's got a decent shot at it. I just think he's that good. Um, any thoughts on the other two, please? Zach and freed.
1: um, I actually just drafted police in the draft. I'm in now, but it was about 20 picks later than this. I wouldn't probably take him here freed. I definitely wouldn't take here. Um, I think with police it's controls really good. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think that he can get to kind of this area in terms of output at the end of the year. Wouldn't surprise me. I do think he can be really good. Um, I, I, he's kind of just one of those guys. I, I, kind of just want to see it again and it's nothing against him it's just I just feel more comfortable with it you know I round four round five I think I took him in round six so um and that was about the right spot for me so I'm not going to get him in most drafts freed it's one of those things I I feel like he's more of a uh soft contact type pitcher than a strikeout pitcher and when I'm drafting a guy at 66, I, that's not what I want. You know, I'm I'm trying to get the big K guys and shoot for a little bit more upside. I think Max Freed is fine. I think he's a good pitcher, but I just don't think there's much upside on this pick. Um, and I'm generally taking two pitchers in front of him, or maybe one of the guys from from the next group.
0: You know, please, Zach. You just looked and something I hadn't realized till now: he only started eight games and he threw fifty-five innings. That is almost seven per start last year in yeah. those eight starts. You just don't see that that number attached to pitchers too often in terms of per start basis. Even though it was only eight, that's pretty dang impressive.
1: All right. Yeah, he was he was really good.
0: I don't really have much to add to those two though. Um we'll move on to the next four. We got Sonny Gray, Carlos Carrasco, Steven Strasberg, and Hyunjin Ryu going between picks sixty six and seventy four. So we're talking fifth round pitchers here. Who do you like the most from this list?
1: Uh Carrasco. Be my guy. Um Man, I think I think I have Carrasco above All of, I, I would take him over each of the three in the group ahead and like Lynn and Carrasco for me are kind of the guys I'm looking at in round four, Mm -hmm. um, as my second pitcher or possibly my third, but most drafts it's been, been my second, but I mean, I would look at, you know, some of the bats in there I'm not, not real big on, so. I really like Lynn. I really like Carrasco. I, I think Carrasco's got high floor and a high ceiling. Um, I like him going to, going to the NL, um, good swinging strike rates, kind of all the stuff that you want. I mean, he had the, uh, one rough year in the bout with leukemia, but seems to be in the rearview mirror and, um, was really good last year. I just trust him. I, I feel like he's always good and, just kind of a comfort level thing for me with him. Uh, I don't mind Sonny Gray. I don't think he has quite the ceiling that Carrasco does like in a perfect world. Um, Strauss has always been my guy, but I don't know this, this injury that he, it just kind of has me freaked out a little bit. I want to see him pitching and looking good and maybe I'll buy in right at the end before the season starts. If if that's the case, but um, I've just been a little uncomfortable with his cost this uh this off season because I feel like it just mostly assumes that he's fine there's there's a little bit of a discount but I just don't feel like it's enough and you know it's always been I've always been a straws guy it's one of those things it's I've known what I'm getting into though too it's like he hasn't been great every year when he's been great it's been awesome but when he hasn't it's been rough and um it's kind of one of those things. It's like, there's been injuries and now there's this one and this is just the one that, I don't know. It just kind of has me like backpedaling a little bit. So kind of how I feel about it. Ryu, whatever, he's fine. You know, he's really good. I mean, it's just probably the fourth of these guys for me, unless I have a, riskier guy you know maybe if i took like a burns i might take a ryu or instead of a strasburg something like that but yeah kind of my take on a few of these guys
0: you know i meant to say this earlier i forgot as we were talking about degrom beaver cole and this is going to circle back to carrasco here in a second but i have just started an auction draft with a lot of um the guys in the baseball 365 community a league i started four years ago we do a redraft every february or March. And the so that has me pulling up the auction calculator right now going off of steamer projections, which I'm with you on steamer projections not being great for arms. But something that stood out to me between Cole DeGrom and Bieber, Cole and De, um, Bieber both have a $36, $38 projection for their steamer. Jacob DeGrom's up at $54 compared to those two. Shocked yeah. me. And then moving on, when I was pulled this up for the first time this morning, right before our auction started, the other one that jumped out to me, Carlos Carrasco's sixth in dollars projected to earn. Only Scherzer, Darvish, and the big three are ahead of him. He's ahead of Bauer, Bueller, Luis Castillo, um, quite a few other names that are going before him in this draft. He's projected to finish above.
1: Yeah, I would take Carrasco probably about like 16, 17. I would definitely, I would take him ahead of like Snell and Maeda personally. Yeah. So, yeah, right in like with probably would go like Gallon, Lynn, Carrasco. Glass now would be in there somewhere, but. Uh, yeah, I would definitely take him higher than this. I have, I mean, I have, I got a few shares of Carrasco.
0: Yeah, I think I'd have him pretty close to Glass now on this list. Thinking about it, I'd have Lynn above them both. I mean, I think Lynn is my fifteenth guy, right behind Gallen. But um, yeah, Carrasco's up there in that range. And I did want to mention Strasburg. I was really cautious on him going into this off season with the carpal tunnel. And I don't remember where it was, but I read a report from somebody who had dealt with carpal Tunnel. And they really didn't show any skeptic skepticism. I don't remember if it was somebody that dealt with it or a doctor. but Somebody was saying they they had no worries about him with this. And he's saying he's restri- restriction-free on a normal schedule here in the early going to spring training. I'm actually feeling a lot more confident about him right now than I did two months ago, personally. And then... Ryu is the only other one I was going to mention. Just like Maeda, I'm very skeptical of this guy throwing a lot of innings. Since 2013, when he came into the league, he only had one year where he threw 180 innings. And that was in 2019, the contract year with the Dodgers. Steamer projects him for another 179 this year. And yeah, just like Maeda, I'm very skeptical of these guys the Dodgers are babying and all of a sudden they're coming out and throwing a bunch of innings. Hard for me to believe that that's going to keep happening. I know the Dodgers are cautious with everybody but or with a lot of guys, but they aren't that way with everybody. I believe that they know what they're doing with these guys, and that's why they're keeping their innings down. Because they were letting Kershaw go out there and throw 200 innings a few years ago, back before he started dealing with back injuries. And Bueller, I think, is getting up there to
1: 180 or so. So those yeah. are just a couple things the only, I got. The only thing with with Ryu though is um, Toronto kind of needs him yes to throw you know to throw a lot of innings so um, you know if he doesn't hold up and he gets hurt that's one thing but I don't think that they're going to be able to like hold him back because obviously they're a team that's on the rise trying to make the playoffs and he's their ace so yes um, yeah it's it's kind of a tough one but I'm with you on like at this price it's it's tough i mean it's he's got to be really really good and he was last year and i guess i get it some but i don't know I'm just probably not a guy i'm gonna have many shares of
0: yeah i agree that if he can hold up they'll keep him out there i just question his ability to hold up personally on that Okay, well, that's where we're going to cut off this episode. Andrew and I will be back. If you check this next Tuesday, we will have the next episode where Andrew and I will talk about pitchers 26 through 55. Until then, take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 Podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, write us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365
1: days a year.